Thank you for uh, leading us in, in worship today. Back up some things here. There we go. Any of, any of our Mennonites uh, get rain yesterday? Who all got some? Did you guys get some over by you guys? Of course. You got some back there? You got Ohio City got some? Absolutely. Yeah. About 4 o'clock. Oh, no. Okay. What I'm talking about is probably, what, about uh, 10 o'clock or something like that today? Um, so I was up in Menden, I was shucking some corn, and uh, all of a sudden you saw this little cloud start to form, and uh, then you then uh, you heard this rumbling, and I'm looking up, and right then the lightning went down. I go, oh, that's cool. And then what? And then about a minute or two later, it's like five five uh, streaks of lightning came down at the same time, and it was just a little cloud because you saw blue and blue all the way around and everything else, and so it. it Gave some good rain, and uh, then it was gone, and just pure uh, white or uh, blue sky. And, uh, do you know that storm produced at least two tornadoes I'm aware of? You aware of that? It, w- there was one in, in Hardin County, north of Kenton, and then there was one in Marion County, uh, and well, maybe it might be three, but there was one on the ground in Marion County, and then eventually Richland County got a uh, tornado warning, so we're not sure if that's the same storm, but... I'm sitting there going, I saw the storm when it was a baby, you know, type of thing. So it's the first time I ever saw that. Just thought it was a nice little story. It has nothing to do with the sermon, just a neat little story. Okay. All right, so here's the question. Do you know what your purpose and destiny is? Do you, do you, do you know what it is? Well, no, maybe about uh, 10, 15 years ago, books were being written. Where you are to develop a purpose statement for your family. Anybody remember those books that came out? Didn't last very long because nobody wanted a purpose statement for their family. And uh, and so, uh, what, what was the purpose of you? What, what was your purpose as a family? And and I had I had a purpose for my for my parenting even before that came out. You know, these these fads they come out every once in a while and, and they short lived and then another fad comes out. But anyway, my purpose statement was this. My purpose was to develop the best husband or wife that your daughter or son would ever marry. That, that, that was my purpose. I wanted my kids, uh, that you would be glad that my kids would enter in your family. And uh, so far, uh, I've got no complaints. Uh, I, think, uh, I think I did a good job and, and that type of stuff. But we're, we, we are a rarity as pastors, and, and I, I, I'm cautious in making this comment, okay, because all of our kids attend church, and all of our kids uh, are involved in the church, and uh, matter of fact, there's a possibility, one possible, of being employed uh, at a church. And, and, I, and I, I just share that because a lot of pastors' families... A large percentage of them, at least one, if not two or three children, uh, leave the church. And so I, I think part of it is, is you, you, you just develop this attitude, this is what we want to create. This is my purpose, my purpose as a parent. This is my purpose as a pastor. In fact, everything should have a purpose. For example, what's the, what's the purpose of McDonald's? To make... What? I, I can't hear you all. Okay. Oh, let's just say, McDonald's purpose is to make hamburgers, right? 
Okay, what happens when McDonald's makes too many purposes, different purposes, and, and they, there's just too much, get, and they, then they start losing the quality? What's the purpose of a church? In fact, what's the purpose of this church? Does anybody know what our purpose statement is? Anybody know? Reaching out while building up. Very simple. So our purpose is to reach out. So we talked about last week. Everything that we do in this church needs to have a mindset of outward focus. Okay? Now, worship is a little bit inward, but that's the, that's the uh, reaching out while building up. That's looking upward. But our purpose is to reach out. So when we do T-ball, it's just not for our kids. It's for all the kids. When we do the vacation Bible school, it's just not for us, our kids, it's for all the kids. When uh, when we do the 127 garage sale, uh, it's just not for us, it's for everyone. And so we had a lot of fun with it this year. We did some experiments on how we can reach out to other people and whatnot. So uh, so various things like that. Uh, when we do the Menden, the Menden outreach coming up here in about two months, it isn't just to hand out candy to our kids that live in Menden. It's to hand out candy to all kids, and we're going to have, uh, we're going to have, hopefully we'll have Bibles up there if Dave Stoss is around at that time, if he's able to, or some of our Gideons will be handing out Bibles, candies, tracts, and all this other stuff, because one of our purposes is to reach out, and then when they come in, one of our purposes is, is to build them up in the faith. Okay? And so that's our purpose. So what is a purpose? I mean... Uh, one of the reasons why we focus on this is because a purpose, my life purpose consists of central motivation aims in my life. In other words, the reason why I get up in the morning. When you get up in the morning, what do you want to get accomplished? For some, their purpose is to make, make a dollar. For others, it is, I just want to be happy. For others, it's, and we can go on and on and on with all these different purpose statements and the purposes of why people are here. Some people, their purpose is to get noticed and to get known. Some people is to get that adrenaline high. And we can go on with all this, but what is your purpose when you get up? What is your main aim? Uh, a purpose can also be, it will guide my life decisions and influence my behavior, shape my goals, offer a sense of direction, and create meaning for your life. Okay? So, what do you want to get accomplished? When you die, what do you want to be known for? You see, when I, when I came to that attitude, is my purpose is to develop the best citizens and the best husband and, and wife that your children could ever marry. The reason, one of the reasons why I did that is because I recognize the fact that my legacy continues on in my children. And I still remember going to the high school, or when my kids went to high school, and I looked right at them and I said, I'm going to tell you something right now. The Duntons have a good name in this high school, and you will keep that good name. And we had to deal with things, as any parent would. But recognizing that my legacy really will go to my children and grandchildren based upon how I raise my kids now. Anybody know what the purpose statement of the United States is? We have one. Nobody can think of it? To the love, life, and pursuit of happiness. Who has? Who said that? You are so right. Oh, you get a piece of candy. <laughs> oh, that's right. Okay, let, let me read this to you, and you're going to see it. Yeah, she said, I'm reading candy out now. There you go. In the course of human debate, and then, 
in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have, con which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitled them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to, to the separation. Here's the purpose statement. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. <coughs> Got that? Now we struggled with that at the early parts of our nation. What does equality actually look like? Okay? that are down, uh, endowed by the Creator with certain unalienable rights. Among them are life. Well, I could say, make some comments about that we're, that we're struggling with right now, especially in the pro-choice movement. But in the Constitution, it says we have the right to life. Okay? Uh, liberty... In other words, I can do whatever I want. Now we know that's not true because we do have laws that restrict it, restrict that liberty, but uh, we do like the fact that no one tells us what to do, right? Ask your kids that question. And the pursuit of happiness. Did you know that when the Supreme Court said that marriage can go to the, uh, the gays and lesbians, same-sex marriage, is legal in the United States. Do you know that that's what they pointed to? Not the Constitution. They pointed to they have a right to be happy. That's what they said. They have a right to be happy. And so that purpose is something that has been ingrained in us, and in some respects, we struggle with it. Because I have a right to be happy. In fact, there was a movie that was made in the 19, uh, I think it was 2000s, A Walk to Remember. Anybody remember that movie, Walk to Remember? Oh, I used to watch that movie and cry because my kids were getting into the marriage. Especially when she's walking down the aisle. But there's one section of that movie where uh, uh, the, the pastor's daughter is arguing with Pastor Dad. And Pastor Dad says, why are you dating this guy? He's not a Christian. He doesn't go to church. And he goes... I believe, he goes, what do you think God, how God feels? He says, I believe that God wants me to be happy. Now that's unbiblical, don't get me wrong. But that's the mindset that we have. God just wants me to be happy. Really? What about when my happiness infringes on your happiness? You see, God wants me to be happy, so I'm, isn't there a red... Uh, uh, or red around here, or that, 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 I'm happy if I have it. So I think you should give it to me. <laughs> right? 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 <laughs> okay, let me go back to this. Okay, so it, it, it shapes us. And for some people, the purpose of this connection might be your vocation. My only purpose is to be the best at my job, or, or sports, and or entertainment or financial success. And, and maybe we haven't done it in our lives, so then what we do is we pass it on to our children. 
that, oh, you need to be the best football player that's out there. And there are parents that that is their main purpose is to develop sports athletes. If you get into some of these sports athletes in, in their in their back in their history, and you'll find out that dad is the one that pushed me, your mom is the one that pushed me. So their purpose is is sports. Okay, well, I have to ask them, what's your purpose when it comes to your children, when it comes to the Lord, or maybe beauty or success. I want everybody to know me. Rick Warren, in his book, Purpose Driven Life, many of you might remember that, he said that there were five purposes that a Christian should have. We're going to go through them real quick. The first one is, God wants me, wants me to center my life around him. Okay? He wants you to be a Christian. He wants you to know Jesus. He wants you to know that. Um, um, so he wants you to center his life. He wants me to learn to love his family, which means the fellowship. This is the fellowship. This is the fellowship. <laughs> And, and I, I, I have to, I, I want to say this, but I don't want to be taken wrong with how I'm going to say this, okay? But hear me out. He wants you to be committed to a fellowship, not something that is, oh, I might do it today or might tomorrow. It, it, it is a commitment to the fellowship. Uh, and trust me, that has really been hurt during, as a result of the pandemic. <laughs> And, and a lot of churches are still trying to recover from the pandemic, even though it's been two or three or four years ago, two or three years ago. Uh, but because that fellowship was broken, you break that fellowship, and it, it, it's, it's, it comes to the point where it becomes hard to, to get back into the mode and everything else. That's one of the reasons why I don't like summertime, because we break the fellowship so much. Um, God wants me to cultivate spiritual maturity. By the way, spiritual maturity cannot come without the fellowship come back to that, or knowing Christ. He wants me to grow. He wants you to grow in your relationship with God. He really does. He wants you not to stay where you're at. He wants you to grow. Okay? How do you do that? Well, various things. But part of it is the fellowship. We've got Sunday school, and we're going to have Wednesday nights, and I'm thinking of another class that gets started here pretty soon. Uh, I haven't talked to Ben about it, but I've been really pondering it, so Ben, you and I are going to have a meeting tomorrow. But anyway, he wants us to grow in your relationship with the Lord. Okay. Fourthly, he wants you to contribute back to the community. He wants you to be part of ministry. As you're involved with fellowship, you're also involved with ministry. Ministry can be teaching Sunday school, but ministry might also be cleaning dishes. That's ministry. It really is. Um, or um, mowing the lawn, or uh, visitation on some of our uh, shut-ins, or going to the hospitals, just not the past. Making those phone calls, that's ministry. Um, do you know that the happiest people in the world are those who minister to other people? <coughs> the, the, by the way, the number one occupational happiness is demolition. That's a different story. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but you get into that after that, it's usually, if the nurses could just be nurses and the teachers could just teach without all the garbage that surrounds them, they would absolutely love it. Amen. They would. Because, because it is giving back to someone else. I mean, when I was in the hospital that one night, there was a connection with the nurse. I mean, um, of course, she was giving me drugs. And I wasn't <laughs> Would you like more morphine? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I want to. I'd wake up and go, she's going to come in pretty soon. I hope so. This is good stuff. Anyway, she wants me to tell others about him. He wants us to tell about his love. And that can be through action or, or, or deeds or, or verbal. 
Okay, so those are the five sections. Okay, so the question you ask yourself is, what's my purpose? What What is my purpose? What's my family's purpose? What's my church's pur purpose? Why does God want us to exist or me to exist? Uh, this this is off, off notice, notes just a little bit. Do you know what the purpose of humanity was? When God made Adam and Eve, what was the purpose? To tend the garden. To multiply and to tend the garden. And so I watch these nature shows where they're rescuing, and something about me really connects with that. I go, well, that's what we were supposed to do. We were supposed to take care of the animals and tend the garden. So that was our purpose. Okay. All right, so let's go a little further now. Now let's get to Scripture. You know eventually we were going to get to Scripture. Let's go to Luke chapter 13. So here's Jesus. And uh, Jesus was, uh, it says, At this time some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, Leave this place and go to somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. And I first read that and went, that doesn't make any sense. I thought that, I thought the Pharisees didn't like Jesus. I thought that they were dancing dancing in the aisle when, when Jesus was going to lose his life. Well, there were some Pharisees that liked Jesus. Not all Pharisees were bad. There were some that actually followed him. And so, um, and so they got word that, that Herod was coming after Jesus. Why exactly? We don't know. But he said, hey, you want to leave this place because Herod's coming after you. And this is what Jesus said. Go tell that fox. That's the only time in scripture I see Jesus making those comments. He says, go tell that fox. And I go, whoa, what is, why is he saying that? Now, the fox back then and the fox we have today is the same thing. Because now we think of a fox, we think of someone who's sly, right? Someone who can manipulate things, a little, little, little sly, a little bit. But what it is, is a fox back then is a, a cunning but weak ruler. So if you're thinking of a, a strong ruler, you're going to say, he would say, you tell that lion. Instead, he talked about this little animal, this little dog, that's cunning and weak. And, and it, it, when it does come about, it produces problems. For example, if a fox got in your chickens, what does it do to the chickens? It's going to destroy them, right? And so it's basically saying that cunning, weak ruler that is doing nothing but destruction. That's from Barclay, by the way. And so you go tell that fox, I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow. So now you see Jesus' purpose. In some respects, Jesus was righting the wrong that was done in the garden. Because one of the results of, of, of the garden, of the fall, was sickness. So, for some of you, I mean, uh, you know, I told somebody today, I said, i got a pain right here, it never leaves. That's a result of, of the Garden of Eden. And some of you have got cancer, some of you have got uh, uh, sickness, and, and my daughter was sick this past week. That's a result of the Garden of Eden and the fall of humanity. Okay. Uh, if, if humanity did not fall, then we wouldn't have a need for nurses and pharmacists and doctors and hospitals and, 
And, and we wouldn't have a need for police either, by the way. But he says, I will keep driving them out. So he was writing that was wrong. And he says then, and on the third day, I will reach my goal. Well, that's pretty obvious what he's saying. He says, I'm going to minister to the people today. And then eventually I'm going to die. And on the third day, what? I rose from the dead. And that is my goal. So what's my purpose? My purpose is to bring the kingdom of God to people. That's my purpose. And so I'm bringing it by writing that what was wrong. And now... Uh, now on to, the, on to the third day. So, then he says, in my case, I must press on today, tomorrow, and the next day. So he knows what his purpose is, and he's going to go and fulfill that purpose. And he's essentially saying, and I don't care what Herod says, because my life is not in my hands, my life is in the Father's hands. Do you know that? You know, the Bible says that God knows the very number of days that you're on this earth. And in some respects, there's no nothing you can do about it. He knows when you're going to breathe your last. Some people even go and says, he knows how you're going to die, when you're going to die, and everything else. And one thing I will tell you is every one of us here is going to die. I like the idea. I've been a pastor. I've done probably over 200 funerals since I've been a pastor. I still don't like it. I don't like one funeral. There's not one funeral I go, this is great. I absolutely hate them. Because it reminds me that someday I will breathe my, breathe my last. And that, that self-preservation uh, that God puts in us, it really kicks in. And I'm glad he puts that self-preservation in us. You know why? Because if we didn't have that self-preservation, I tell you right now, I'd go out there and play on the middle of a 127. So, he knows when you're going to die. And, and, and I take this a little further. Jesus is essentially saying, God the Father knows when I'm going to die, how it's going to come about, what it's going to go about. As a matter of fact, I know it's going to come about, but I'm going to tell you right now that I'm going to do this until my time. So in some respects, people, the boldness, there's boldness that can come into our ministry because God knows how uh, how things are going to turn out. He also knows, you know, somebody kills me because I told them about Jesus. Well, he knew that was going to happen anyway. Now, let me be very, very, very careful about this. I am not saying, well, he knows the very day or hour, therefore I'm not going to take my meds. Guess what? You don't take your meds, you're going to see him a lot sooner. Well, he knows the very day or hour, so therefore I'm going to go down and lay on the middle of a railroad track. Well, then you are going to see Jesus. I don't think he wants us to be ridiculous like that. In fact, modern medicine... Many of you are alive right now because of modern medicine. Most of us are living much longer now because of modern medicine. We know that. And God knew it anyway. I mean, my grandfather died at the age of seven. In 1969, he died at the age of seven. I'm convinced today that had he been born 15, 20 years later, he would have been alive. Because in 1969, when you're having a heart attack, you know what they did? Nothing. They watched you. And they hoped that you were getting through it. So what did my grandmother do? My grandmother went, got a, a, a washcloth, put it on his head, and just made him comfortable until he died. There was nothing he could do. 
Now they do bypasses, quadruple bypasses, take the heart out, look at it, put it back in. I mean, they, they do, it's crazy what they do now that they never have been able to do before. My brother would be dead today because he had an aorta that exploded. And the reason why he's alive today is because they flew him to Indianapolis, they cooled his body down. I never heard of that. They cooled his body down, so he kind of went into a kind of a stasis. Well, they repaired his artery, the big artery on that heart. That's modern medicine. Okay, so uh, even though God knows the very days or the hours, it doesn't mean that we're to be ridiculous either. So, but it does give us the confidence to know that, yeah, we can go forward and do what God wants us to do. And don't be afraid. Jesus wasn't afraid. And he went out and says, I must present on today and tomorrow, for surely no prophet can be outside of Jerusalem. So, Jesus knew what his purpose was. His, to minister to others regardless of the threats. That was his purpose. And that should be our purpose too. Even those that we may not agree with, even those that we may not like, God wants us to minister to them. God wants us to show love to them. And I shared last week, you know, my heart is really going out to the homeless for some reason. The drug addicts for some reason. It is really going out because here you got these individuals whose lives have been ravaged, totally ravaged by drugs. And, and, and they become addicted to it. You know, I watch these videos of these uh, police officers who uh, get, uh, get just have an exposure to fentanyl and, and what happens to them. It just, it's, it's, and so my heart really goes out to them. Okay, the other thing is, on the third day, I will reach my goal. He's referring to the sacrificial death on the cross. Jesus knew what his purpose was, which is the sacrificial death on the cross. So he continued his mission. He knew that the Jews uh, would reject him. And, and people will reject the cross. Because their main purpose in life is to be happy. And they equate, they literally equate um, uh, Christianity with morbidity for some reason. Oh, you guys are the saddest people. Look at me. Look at what I'm doing. Really? There's a lot of stuff I'm avoiding that you're dealing with. And there are consequences when you do not accept Christ. The Bible is very, very firm on that. Uh, in this life and in the life to come. So as our society continues to reject Christ more and more, I believe you're going to see more and more uh, social ills that are going to show forth. And, and you're going to see more and more of that. Okay? So there are request, there are consequences in this life and the life to come. So then Jesus says this. So we know what his purpose is. Then he says this. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent you, how often I long to gather your children together as hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And yet you are not willing. Look, your house is left you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So what is Jesus doing? Jesus is, is, is talking about the fact that my purpose is to come to show the word of God, to show the love of God, to show who God is. My purpose is to die on the cross so that you can live eternally with me. 
But Jerusalem, you're still going to reject it. You had the Messiah in front of you, and yet you still rejected it. And so he's referring to 70 A.D. 70 A.D. is, 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 is pivotal in the life of Israel. Around 68 A.D., there were zealots that came, uh, that rose up against Rome. And they started fighting against Rome. And the battles continued until everything centered around Jerusalem. And then they, the Roman ar- uh, uh, army then surrounded Jerusalem. And they did a siege against Jerusalem. Well, during a siege, you're going to have food, you're going to have water. But eventually that runs out. And so they came to the point of pure starvation. And Jerusalem was destroyed. At 70 AD, Jerusalem was destroyed, and Jerusalem never totally came under Jewish occupation or Jewish authority until 1967. So 1,000, let's just say 1,900 years, Jerusalem was under the occupation of other forces until the Six-Day War in 1967. But up, up until that time, when they were, when the Roman army was surrounding Jerusalem and, and, and under siege, where nothing could go in or out, people became desperate. Let me read this to you. And there's a lot of things I'm not going to read to you that happened there. This came from a man named Josephus, who was a Jewish historian. Throughout the city, people were dying of hunger in large numbers and encountering unspeakable suffering. In every house, the merest hint of food sparked violence. They were so hungry, if you had a candy bar, they would come after you. And close relatives fell into blows, snatching from one another the pitiful supports of life. No respect was paid even to the dying. The ruffians, the zealots, Searched them, and in case they were concealing food somewhere in their clothes or just pretended to be near to death, gasping with hunger like mad dogs, lawless gangs went staggering and reeling through the streets, battering upon the doors like drunkards, and so bewildered that they broke into the same house two or three times in an hour. Knee drove the starving to gnaw at anything, refuge that even animals would reject was collected and turned into food. In the end, they were eating belts and shoes and leather strips from their shields. Tufts of weathered grass were devoured and sold in little bundles for four drops. Oh, we don't have a clue. We don't have a clue. They resulted in resort to cannibalism. There's one if you want to read it on your own or eat your own child. That's what sieges do. And then Rome finally broke in, destroyed Jerusalem, and destroyed the temple that still to this day is not in existence. 
John MacArthur gives the history of Israel following that. And if you ever want to read that, it's on grace to you. In it, he gives the history of the Jews until eventually, till 1930s. When he goes through 1,900 years of the Jewish people, and at one after one persecution, one after one persecution. He even explained why there's a huge population of Jews in Poland at the time of Hitler, Warsaw, Poland. Because they were forced out of this area until they went over to this area. Does anybody know where the largest Jewish population in the world is besides Israel? New York City. And the largest population of Hessianic Jews is Brooklyn. Just, so why aren't they there? Real simple. They've been persecuted, driven out. A lot of them came over during the persecution of, of Hitler. There was even a point, I believe it was in the 1600s, where, where the Jewish people had to wear armbands that had this insignia that they, they were Jewish in the European area that they were. So what Hitler did was nothing new. Always wondered what would happen had they accepted Christ. Wish they would have. So, with that in mind, I have some questions to ask you. How do you? God loves humanity. uh, Continues to shine through because of his his weeping over Jerusalem. By the way, Christians. Don't ever rejoice in the suffering of another person. You may disagree with somebody, which we will, but don't ever rejoice. Because God does not rejoice when you suffer. Why are we rejoicing when somebody else suffers? So how do we maintain our purpose? Well, number one, We need to accept Jesus as Savior. Not just an acknowledgement of who He is, but we accept Him as Savior, meaning that He is the leader of my life. Number two is, we become dedicated to the church and make it a priority. If there's one part of the pandemic, that's it. If If I could point to one thing, the dedication to the church, not just this church, I'm talking about the church around us. I talk to other pastors, and they all point to that pandemic. It, It Dedication just is not there like it used to be. Prayer, Bible study, and submission to His Word need to be a priority. When you read the Scriptures and it tells you something, do you make excuses or do you say, you know what, I'm going to have to change my life? I really believe prayer, Bible study, and submission to His Word is is, is, is paramount. Number four, three, four, yeah. Pray about and find a ministry to serve God and serve others. A happy church is a serving church. It really is. A happy church is a serving church. And you know there are people in this church that are serving a lot. And they're getting tired. I know that. Uh, but uh, a happy church is a serving church. Uh, by the way, did you, did you ever notice that during vacation Bible school, everybody's tired? But I don't ever see anybody in here with a frown. Why is that? Because they're serving. Okay? 
Uh, men in outreach the same way. I don't see anybody, oh, get out of here, I'm having a rotten day. I see people having fun up there, serving. Okay? And, and, and fourthly, fifthly, is tell others about Jesus. Tell others about Jesus. You can tell them by word or works. Word or works. Okay? Now, I'm going to uh, close off by making, uh, I didn't put this in your bulletin or in your, in your notes. But I, 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 want to, I want to talk about four lessons from this whole sermon that we have. Very quickly. We'll be done in about two minutes. Lesson number one. You, I, we all have a purpose. Fulfill that purpose. Find out what that purpose is and fulfill that. You, I, we all have a purpose. God created you unique and special. Isn't that great? Do you know that when God created you, he broke the mold? We used to say that when we were kids. Oh, God made you broke the mold. You know what? If somebody says that to you, say, good, I am unique. I am special. God made me Darwin. Okay? So he made you unique and special. He's given me talents and gifts that you don't have, but he's given you talents and gifts that I don't have. And any good church staff knows that. Ben has got qualities that I don't have. And so I rely upon that. And I got qualities that Ben doesn't have. Okay? And so we, we, I think we compliment each other. We can talk about that tomorrow too. Okay, number two. God knows our days. Fulfill your purpose with boldness. He knows that, you know, if I go home today, if I hit a car or a car hits me, he knows that. Number three is. There are consequences for rejecting Christ. Come to Christ. Christians, can I also make this comment? And I'm not talking about the ultimate rejection that Jesus is not my Savior. But when we put something in front of Jesus Christ, even in our Christian walk, you're going to pay a price. Okay? Number four is, God does not delight in suffering. So let us not delight in suffering. God does not delight in suffering. Let us not delight in suffering. Well, they deserved it. Well, maybe they did. But let's not stand up and rejoice in it. But it also gives us an opportunity by which we can minister to them. Got that? God loves everyone. Everyone. And we are to show the love of God to them. We all have a purpose. Fulfill that purpose. God knows our days. Fulfill your purpose with boldness. Uh, there are consequences to rejecting Christ. Come to Christ. And God does not delight in suffering. We should not either. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what your word has taught us today. Let us go forward. And let us live with a purpose. Let us, as a church, reach out as we build up. Let us reach out as we build up. May it be so. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.